Hello, and welcome to Husband and Wife Time, a podcast celebrating Lifetime movies. I'm Matt Tapperletti. And I'm Elizabeth Blickel. And we're here today to talk about a 2021 film, Envy. This is our first recent movie, I think. That's right. Okay. So this is the first one we are not revisiting from in our past. I mean, this premiered a couple of weeks ago. It did. At the beginning of the movie, Keisha... Played by Soraya. Says that she has no money to bury her mom. And then we immediately get a flashback to 16 years earlier. And a little girl, Keisha, is asking her mom about her father. And the mother says that she has her mother, God, and nothing else matters. And then we cut back to the present where Keisha throws away her mother's Bible in the hospital and says, God forgot about her a long time ago. And so when we see her open her Bible before she throws it away, there's a name in there. It's Elijah Wilson and it's a trucking company. It's a business card. And we see Keisha in her car and she's Googling the name that she found in her mother's Bible before she had thrown that out. And then we are introduced to her father and her, well, her presumed father and her presumed half-sister, Gabrielle. Who's played by Rose Rollins. Yes. Gabrielle goes to her dad's house. He confesses to her that he had an affair when she was very young. Gabrielle reads the letter that Keisha wrote to the dad, but she wrote it as her mother, not as herself. Then we see Gabrielle going to work and she tells Reagan, played by Candy Burris, about this new sister. And she wants to go to Arkansas, but Reagan says that she needs to stay and work with Justice on his new shoes. He's launching a shoe line and Reagan will go in her place to Arkansas to meet slash vet Keisha. Right. Right. Yeah. Gabrielle and and, and Reagan have a successful PR agency and uh, justice is a rapper whom they represent and is their biggest client. So successful that they have a DJ in the office I'm presuming not 24 hours a day, but just during the work days and a ping pong table. So, you know, this is a fun club to work in. It's a pretty amazing office. I don't find it terribly plausible. The ping pong table does not stretch plausibility for me. I will say the DJ does just a little bit that they have a resident, even eight hour a day DJ (laughs) <laughs> 300 days of the... I mean, that's an expense. And they were worried about losing their client and losing the business. You don't have a DJ. Maybe uh, maybe they got a recommendation on the DJ through, through him being a musician. This movie is very well produced. Everyone is attractive. The looks are nice. This is a well-made movie. So you would think I won't have so many things to comment on. But you thought wrong. (laughs) And yet, 
but I do, I'm just caveating this by saying, do not assume this is a classic Lifetime movie. I don't know what the budget for this movie was, but I'm guessing it was double to 10 times your standard Lifetime movie based on the number of so many famous people in this movie. Justice is played by the lead character or what I would consider the lead character was on the most episodes of the game. The dad was in Greenleaf. Candy Burris is famous. Debrat is in this movie. Sure. Like every, there are very few people. Oh, Soraya is in, was in Empire. Right. There are very few unknowns in this movie. Mm-hmm. So those people are commanding better salaries. Yeah. And then you add on top of this, the clothes, whatever. It's a good movie. Yeah. And yet I have a million comments. <laughs> <laughs> so. Keisha wakes up in her car, looks at Gabrielle's social media. Then Keisha goes to work at a hair salon and Reagan, Gabrielle's best friend, finds her there. Keisha feigns ignorance about, you know, the mother's letter and her half family, well, half sister, full dad. Yeah. And at some point during this conversation, she says... Gabrielle isn't checking for me. And Reagan points out that she never said Gabrielle's name, but then immediately lets it go. And then we hear Keisha later on a phone talking to a friend saying she's going to Atlanta to take what's hers. That's right. So then Reagan's reporting back to Gabrielle that... Keisha is behind on her rent and uh, lost a baby who would have been about the same age as Gabrielle's daughter. Gabrielle's daughter is named Bella and uh, figures uh, prominently in the film. So uh, Reagan and Keisha uh, fly back to Atlanta and we see them uh, introducing Keisha to Gabrielle and her father. And uh, at her father's house, uh, Reagan gives Gabrielle papers so that a paternity test can be performed. Uh, and uh, this, you know, gets discussed in a kind of a uh, expository way um, where Gabrielle wanted to keep it under wraps, the paternity test thing. And turns out that Keisha is going to stay with Gabrielle because... Uh, Gabrielle has the space in her house as opposed to staying with her father. And here's where I jump in. (laughs) As I said, well-made movie. I still have a million notes. I was thinking as we were watching Gabrielle's house, oh, this house is so much better than the ones we've seen in the past. It's just like a very neutral color palette that it's decorated with inside. There's lots of beige, taupe, a crew, shades of gray. It felt like a rental, but a nice one. Lots of fake plants. So I guess someone heard my notes about fake plants and frame pictures. So it looks like people actually live there. Still has a rental vibe weirdly though. So I'm thinking all of this throughout the movie. I'm thinking, oh, how high quality everything is. The clothes look nice. The house looks nice. Everyone's so attractive. The writing is, you know, good. It's shot nicely. 
And then there's a conversation in the bedroom and what had been blurred in the background, but becomes crystal clear is a perfectly framed shot of the bed that Gabrielle sleeps in with her husband, Mauricio. It was something. It was very Baroque. Scrolls and flowers abound. (laughs) Imagine if the back of a throne at Versailles transformed into a bed. Anyways. (laughs) We can move on. So, uh, Keisha gets introduced to Bella, Gabrielle's daughter. She seems overly interested in her. Mm -hmm. Um, And... She then sees uh, Mauricio, Gabrielle's husband, and his daughter dancing together. And she looks like she saw a ghost. And, uh, and Gabrielle uh, checks in on her and tries to kind of, you know, establish a, a bond. You know, thinks that Keisha is upset about the loss of her mother. Uh, Gabrielle talks about losing her own mother, uh, says she's not alone anymore, and... Uh, says to come downstairs and have breakfast with the family. Okay. This is time for me to reintroduce a recurring character. Not in the movie. No, no. This is a recurring character in our podcast. I would like to introduce all of you who have not met him to my moral high horse, Bruce Boxleitner. (laughs) He's been resting for a few weeks. At least on the podcast. I mean, believe me, I ride that thing all day, every day. (laughs) Can it still be called a rant if it's your entire personality? (laughs) I had issues with the husband being presented as if he is this amazing hero husband. When in the first 30 minutes, he's guilting his wife for working. So he had to take their daughter to a mother-daughter dance. First of all, I've never heard of a mother-daughter dance. I've heard of mother-daughter teas, mother-daughter outings. Never a mother-daughter dance. Second, wouldn't we try to be more inclusive, knowing that there are families with just one dad, or two dads, or two moms? Wouldn't you want to be sensitive also to like potential widows or widowers who might not just have a mom to send? Also... Do you want a medal for being a parent? So you took your daughter to a dance. Should she apologize for working and providing you with this gigantic mansion that has a two-pronged staircase? It is the grandest staircase you've ever seen. And that throne-like bed. (laughs) (laughs) He sounds an awful lot like one of those guys who refer to taking care of their own children as babysitting. It bothers me. Throughout the movie, he demonstrates what I would describe as very backwards behavior. And we'll get into it more as we go along. Okay. (laughs) So now that we've, uh, I guess, uh, got Bruce into the paddock. uh, No, never. Never in the paddock. Come on. No. (laughs) He's not currently running, but I'm still sitting atop. (laughs) Fair enough. <laughs> well, the Kentucky Derby is uh, in a few hours, so. Sure. <laughs> um, so we're back in the kitchen. 
It's breakfast. And we see Keisha stealing a coffee stirrer that her father put in his mouth to do her own paternity test so that she can establish that link and be written into her father's will. We learn later on that Keisha submitted this paternity test on her own, but makes it seem as though Gabrielle did it so that the father actually gets mad at Gabrielle. The husband, hero, saintly husband, Mauricio, is suspicious of Keisha and all the questions she's been asking about money and justice, and it creates some tension between Gabrielle and the husband. And then Gabrielle leaves this tense conversation they're having to go tuck their daughter in, and she hears Keisha calling Bella her daughter, I'm going to jump right in here. We don't have kids. We've said that before. If I had a child and a long lost sister came out of the woodwork and it had not been confirmed that she was my sister by a paternity test, first of all, she wouldn't be staying in my house. I'm going to just throw that out there. But if she was staying in my house and I went to tuck my daughter in and I heard her calling my daughter, daughter, she would be gone within seconds. And our relationship would come to a complete standstill. She would never see my daughter again. There would have to be a building of a relationship where I felt I could trust her to even have dinner in public with my child, with me present. Okay. Did you not think that that was odd that she's like, it's okay. Yeah. (laughs) She doesn't even enter the room. She just leaves. (laughs) Anyways, so then we get the test results back and we do learn that Keisha is in fact the daughter. So she's Gabrielle's half-sister. Right. The dad then asks Keisha to stay in Atlanta and Gabrielle says Keisha can work for her and the dad says he'll get a car for Keisha, but the car is a Honda And her desk is in a small corner of the office, and she's displeased. She's also mad that her sister takes her on a shopping spree and buys herself Dior and buys less expensive clothes for Keisha. I found this all very hard to sympathize with. I told (laughs) Matt multiple times There are not cars that someone could give me for free that I would turn my nose up at. Ditto clothes. And by the way, the corner of the office she's working in is probably the best place in the office to actually work. You can screw around on the internet all day and no one looks at your lap (laughs) or your computer. No one's bugging you. It, that's the corner of the office I would want. And she's mad about it. <laughs> it just, that and the fact that she texted in church with her keyboard sounds on, she just came off as like rude and entitled and very unsympathetic, which is not normally how I would feel about someone whose mother just died. And who's been homeless. And who's been homeless. Yeah. You know, normally I'd feel very sympathetic towards someone having a hard time, but they made her seem very greedy. I mean, I guess the movie is called Envy, so we really it have is, to yes. establish the yes. Envy, but yeah. I'm just saying she's not terribly sympathetic. 
I mean, this is one of the seven deadly sins series, lest we forget. And somehow this girl is sinning, and I'm mad about it. <laughs> um, so then at this office, Keisha tries to come into this big meeting with Justice, but Reagan sends her to get coffee. Keisha comes in with coffee and sees that Gabrielle stole an idea of hers to launch the new shoe line with um, a scavenger hunt. I have a billion thoughts. I've said one sentence and I have a billion thoughts. <laughs> First of all, your entry level. You're getting someone's coffee? Yeah, that's what you do. You have to prove yourself first. You don't just get invited to meetings with the biggest client on day one. Yeah. Why would you? Two, it is such a rookie move. Who wants to be in meetings? All I ever wanted when I worked in an office was to avoid meetings. I always sat closest to the door so that I could escape as quickly as possible. Also, the scavenger hunt idea, do you want to know why Nike has never done something like that for the release of a new shoe? Because if two people get into a fist fight and one of them breaks a tooth in the process, Nike can be held legally responsible for everything that happened on this sponsored scavenger hunt. Okay. There is a reason you don't see stupid ideas like this coming out of major shoe companies. Also... It's important to know that Justice comes with someone who I'm assuming is his security guard. But it's unclear. He steps in when Keisha kind of fangirls over Justice. Ah, uh, yes. But Justice is bigger than the other guy. Mm -hmm. He's not a small guy. He's bigger than Keisha. But he's smaller than Justice. Who has a security guard who's smaller? Aren't they supposed to be huge? Because the security guard had quarterback body. And I think you would, for a security guard, you would get someone who has, like, the tackling position body. Or, like, the block position. <laughs> so, like, an offensive lineman or something. Uh-huh. Sure. Or a That's, defensive lineman. Those are the words I know. Um, additionally, Keisha in... The, <laughs> what? I have a million thoughts. That's the name of the podcast. <laughs> additionally... Keisha admits to Justice after she's fangirled over him and been separated from him by a security guard that she scoured his social media to find his coffee order. Who would admit that? Yeah. That is so creepy. Mm. Yes, that is good, you know, proactive work on her part to get coffee she knows he likes. But the knowledge of how she got to his order, I would feel extremely uncomfortable if I was him. Now I'm just thinking about times in my advertising career where I was maybe working with a celebrity or a quasi-celebrity and missed the chance to know their coffee order. But I was probably just trying to do my job. Yeah. And, and not worry about Billy Baldwin's coffee order. Oh. Because... Brag. Recorded, we recorded some radio spots with him. Brag. Matt's met all the famous celebrities. <laughs> he did a very good job, by the way. It was a public service campaign. Prescription drug abuse and cough medicine I, abuse. I'm not saying there's anything wrong. Isn't he the religious one? Uh, I don't know. Should we have had Billy Baldwin in Envy? <laughs> 
So then Keisha, after realizing that her sister took this amazing and certainly not destined for a lawsuit idea of doing a scavenger hunt, she discovers this and then she goes and hides in a closet and hyperventilates. And she says, I'm going to take her business, her money, and her family. Just to point out a little inconsistency here, or a contradiction, if you will. You want to steal her child, her husband, her father, her money, and her business, and you're mad that she stole an idea from you? That's what caused it? She gave you credit after the fact, too. Welcome to working in an office. You're lucky you got credit. Do you know how many people, their bosses steal their ideas and get rich off of them forever? (laughs) That's offices. So (laughs) then we cut to Keisha is nosing around in Gabrielle's closet. And we see her trying on one of her dresses. And Mauricio comes home and and catches her doing this. And uh, uh, when he catches her, um, Keisha says that nothing's making Gabrielle happy. Uh, And she also blurts out some company secrets. She tells Mauricio that Justice was the one who gave the seed money to start the PR firm. Um which it was previously believed that it was Reagan's father who I think bankrolled the initial investment in their firm. Uh, Marisa agrees not to tell Gabrielle about it. This was one of my favorite scenes. (laughs) (laughs) I do not buy that Gabrielle had this red sequined Jessica Rabbit dress in her closet. Gabrielle is very silk olive blouse with cream trousers. She's very cream turtleneck, cream top coat, camel trousers. This is not how this woman dresses. She certainly has a red dress in her closet, but it ain't this. For my Roni fans out there, the woman who would buy this dress is definitely feeling Giovanni. So after we see this Giovanni dress, (laughs) Keisha then bakes cookies for a bake sale and Gabrielle comes into the kitchen. She is unable to go to this classic nighttime bake sale. (laughs) This really bothered you. I've, I've never heard of a nighttime bake sale. I attended multiple schools. (laughs) elementary middle and high school okay never once saw a nighttime bake sale maybe it's bake sale after dark maybe it's back to school (laughs) night with or the cookies shaped inappropriately (laughs) or something (laughs) so she can't go to this classic nighttime bake sale because she has to prep for the justice meeting so keisha agrees to go instead this husband Mauricio was riding my last nerve during this short scene by saying that because Keisha baked the cookies for the first time, they won't get dirty looks from the mean moms. Oh, yeah. His hands don't look broken. Why didn't he bake cookies? He is a total jerk. 
you can buy those break and bake chocolate cookies, <laughs> chocolate chip cookies, and make them yourself, sir. Women do not have a genetic predisposition to being good at baking cookies. Also, Keisha is fully single black femaleing Gabrielle in this scene. She's wearing one of her signature silk blouses. And I'm going to add, I know she does not care one lick about Bella because she causes so many fights in front of Bella. Bella's like five. That she obviously does not care about this child's emotions one bit. This is a woman who would split the baby for sure. Sure. Again, envy. (laughs) Apparently I have trouble with the basic premise of this movie. I don't like how mean she is. (laughs) So after coming home from this nighttime bake sale, Keisha brings coffee to Gabrielle and says she had a hard time keeping the moms off of Mauricio. Not so mean, apparently. (laughs) And we see that Keisha actually drugged this coffee so that... Gabrielle would oversleep, and then Keisha does the justice presentation in Gabrielle's place. And then we uh, see Mauricio telling Gabrielle about Keisha trying on her dress, and Mauricio also confronts her and says, you put justice above everything and everyone, because justice apparently is Gabrielle's ex, Mm -hmm. we learn. Uh, he tells her that she screwed up and he, she should show some gratitude for Keisha who has nailed the presentation in place of, uh, of Gabrielle and really just is uh, doing fabulously at the, the PR firm and pressing justice and uh, you know, to the point where uh, we then see a celebratory dinner where Justice says that I want Keisha to run point on this campaign and this this scavenger hunt for my next release. (laughs) I'm still laughing at the scavenger hunt. (laughs) (laughs) So then the husband says that they are missing $500 daily from their accounts. I don't think stealing $500 daily is the best way to go about a grift. (laughs) I say you go smaller than that over a longer period of time or Mm -hmm. much bigger. That's just how I would rob, personally. (laughs) Um, So Keisha mentions to Mauricio that Justice was at brunch to upset him. The husband asks Gabrielle if she hooked up with Justice when they broke up six years ago and asks if there's a possibility that Bella is not his daughter. So then all of this leads into the party for Justice's sneaker launch. Uh, We see Keisha wearing Gabrielle's dress that she had tried on, the red dress. And uh, Keisha lies and says that Justice needs Gabrielle for a moment so that Keisha can herself take a family photo with Mauricio and Bella. And then immediately afterwards, she is telling Veda, uh, this social media gossip queen, whom she invited to the launch, uh, and is played by Debrat. Yes. And uh, Keisha tells her that Bella is actually Justice's child, 
which leads to a confrontation and Mauricio punching Justice. Mm -hmm. The husband then tells Gabrielle, it's Justice or me. She refuses to choose. So Mauricio says they're done. And then Keisha comes on to Mauricio. He does rebuff her. Which is like the only good thing he does in this movie. (laughs) Frankly, I would have liked the husband as the villain in this movie. (laughs) He already kind of is. So then we go back to Gabrielle's house. Keisha has taken Bella home. Well, actually, Reagan, the best friend, has taken Keisha and Bella home. Keisha tells Bella that she can call her mommy or Mama Keisha, since the daughter is kind of hesitant about the mommy thing. Then Gabrielle calls Reagan, who's driving away from the house, and tells her that Keisha told the gossip columnist the rumor that Justice is the father. And she asks, where's Bella? And Reagan panics and realizes, oh no, I've left Bella with this unsafe person and so she rushes back to the house Mm -hmm. and then we see keisha taking out gabrielle's laptop and emailing the entire company that henceforth gabrielle will be transferring all her clients to keisha and hit sent that plan would never work At this PR firm, it seems from what we're presented that Reagan handles the legal side Mm -hmm. and that Gabrielle handles the PR side. So I'm assuming Reagan does like business matters and law for the business Mm -hmm. and that Gabrielle is handling the actual like public relations side of the business. Which means she's, for all intents and purposes, the most important part of the partnership. Because Mm -hmm. the business of the company does not function without her. Right. So the idea that someone who has no background in PR and has worked at their company for, I think, like a week and a half, would would be granted the keys to the kingdom. Mm -hmm. and And that Reagan would go along with it is wild yes highly implausible (laughs) but again this is lifetime you're not tuning in for plausibility that being said i am a stickler so i have to mention it when we see implausible things so reagan comes back to get bella reagan ends up getting into the house and she gets into a confrontation with keisha we forgot to mention but reagan is heavily pregnant throughout the movie so they get into this scuffle they happen to be on one of the two staircases in the foyer and keisha pushes reagan down the stairs bella hears this confrontation comes out and says mommy is that you and keisha says yes she takes bella and they leave to my mind, leaving Reagan for dead, basically. Yeah. She doesn't check if she has a pulse. She does call an ambulance from the car. 
But like she's gonna need Reagan if she's gonna take all of uh, Gabrielle's accounts too. Yes. So she also calls her father from the car. The dad then meets Keisha at her parked car, and they have a conversation in which the dad is trying to persuade her to face the consequences. The police. There are you see police lights in the background to face the police as father and daughter together. And he says that fathers are there for their children in sins and in blessings. And we find out that Reagan's baby will be okay. Keisha comes to apologize to Gabrielle and Mauricio. Gabrielle says she will never forgive Keisha. And then she and her husband have a conversation in which he says he wants to fix their marriage. He can't imagine his life without her and Bella. And she says she'll do much better with work. To my mind, she doesn't need to. I'm also going to point out, this movie takes place in a world in which a woman could make a detour on the way to jail to apologize to the victims of her crimes. (laughs) But I do not think that is how arrests happen for, particularly for crimes involving children. Would that be your guess as well? That that's like truly outside the realm of the real world? Probably. Okay. (laughs) Anyways, continuing on. So then after Gabrielle and Mauricio agree to reconcile, we then see... Uh, the father and Gabrielle uh, at a detention center and they're preparing to visit her. And the father is, Elijah is, you know, obviously wants to be there for Keisha. He tells Gabrielle that uh, they are all that Keisha has. Gabrielle is reticent because obviously Keisha kidnapped her daughter. They then meet with Keisha and... She sees them through bars and she's crying. Gabrielle comes in and Keisha says that she's going to stay in jail. And then her father says that she deserves forgiveness. And it's at this point that Keisha admits she wrote the letter to him as her mom because she wanted what she thought they owed her. And it turns out that the hospital sent the father Keisha's mother's Bible with the letter inside that the mother had written to Elijah. The dad asks for forgiveness for abandoning Keisha, which I don't think he actually has to apologize for abandoning her. He had no idea she existed. Her mother told her father that she was getting an abortion. That's right. Mm -hmm. So abandonment implies a choice. He didn't know there was a child to be present in their life for, but that's beside the point. Gabrielle then says that Keisha caused pain, but she's in pain and they need to heal together as a family and they pray together. So many thoughts. First of all, this movie also takes place in a world in which you can wander around a prison yelling an inmate's name and the guards just allow it. 
But also, Gabrielle's forgiveness of her sister and her husband are so quick that they felt like a stretch to me. I know that we're working within the confines of a movie that has, you know, it's an hour and 20 minutes or an hour and 30 minutes. We need to tie it up in a bow at the end because audiences don't tune in for these kind of movies to be like, emotionally challenged and left with like dangling feelings that they have to work on. I found it confusing for it to end with that level of forgiveness for multiple reasons. But one of them, I can see working over time to forgive some of these things. If the sibling was someone that you grew up with who had a history and a track record of love and good behavior and they had a mental break after the loss of a child and you were working to forgive them that sort of behavior that was outside the realm of what you knew to be their normal behavior. For example, if your sister tried to kidnap a child of yours, I would assume, would you, you would try over time to forgive her, right? Sure, yes. I mean, again, it's this is so hard for us to even talk about these things because we are the only siblings on both sides without children. Right. So theoretically, we are the kidnappers <laughs> and not the, you know, parents of the kidnappee. But in both cases, I can see like you working to forgive your sister or me working to forgive my brothers because you've had however many years together there's a lot of love and history. Yeah. But if someone came out of the ether, you'd never met them before. You spent three weeks with them and they kidnap your child. Do you think you would just be like, okay, you were in pain, so let's pray and we're good. Well, I guess I don't know how I would feel in the situation meeting a half-sibling. Yeah, you know, that's a, true. For the first time. And especially... Uh, Gabrielle has lost her mother. And she's uh, an only child. I hadn't yeah, thought of that. Yeah. Okay. Um, but again, I mean, this film is obviously grounded in religion, has forgiveness and prayer at its core. So, yes. um, you know, I, I kind of just accepted that as a part of sure. the Seven Deadly Sins uh, series. And that, uh, uh, that, you know, that forgiveness would be the, Part of it. <laughs> the, 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 the element of, uh, of resolution. Matt's pointing out that I really struggled with the religious element of this overtly religious movie. <laughs> they made no secret of it. The title includes references to it being religious. The seven deadly sins are religious. I know it's weird. And I expect that more of Hallmark... But I really felt like, can you please keep your religion out of my Lifetime movies? <laughs> I don't object to people having religion. I think it helps a lot of people. But I also feel like Hallmark already fills that space in the market for religious-based programming that's not... that The tones and themes are religious, but that are not Christian that are not like Bible stories, essentially. They're like practical applications, if you will. So I was, I just don't, don't encroach in my a religious space. Okay. Where we have 
deviant meanies. Well, we'll let Bishop T.D. Jakes and uh, and the author of the of the book behind the the film. Uh, we'll let them know. Let them know. I additionally, the father says to Keisha in jail, "Why do you keep punishing yourself? You made mistakes." I don't know what an acceptable length of time is to punish yourself for kidnapping a child, but I know it's longer than Keisha has been in that jail. It's you punish yourself for a sure, long time yeah. for that. I still wake up at like, not wake up. I still find myself trying to fall asleep at like three o'clock in the morning and berate myself for comments I've made that might have hurt someone's feelings decades in the past. So yeah, you kidnapped a child. She'll probably be traumatized the rest of her life. You might want to beat yourself up about that on some level forever. Well, here's an interesting thing. And this kind of, I guess, gets into the trivia section a little bit. But I'm not done with okay. issues with this movie. <laughs> Go ahead with the trivia. Well, well, well no, it's, it's not trivia. Okay. But in reading uh, an interview with mm-hmm. Soraya about the character mm-hmm. of Keisha... She said that the first thing that she was told was that we don't want people to hate her by the end of this movie with all the stuff that she's done. So that's asking a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) that's asking a lot. She's extremely ungrateful for many fortunes that are lavished on her. I mean, a a Honda? You were given a Honda and you turned your nose up at it. Mm-hmm. That is unsympathetic to me. You behaved rudely in a place of worship. That is also problematic for me. Mm-hmm. And then you kidnapped a child after pushing a heavily pregnant woman down the stairs. Additionally, you made a pass at your sister's husband. You stole money from her. I, the list is not a short list. And I guess I believe in forgiveness as a concept. I am saying things have proportionate amounts of work that needs to be put in. Okay. So if you want forgiveness for something as potentially murdering a woman who's pregnant, the amount of time you are going to need to atone for that behavior is not weeks anyways before we move on to other trivia i will mention that the movie ends with galatians 5 25 let us not be desirous of vain glory provoking one another envying one another side note that's actually galatians 5 26 but mistakes happen. Okay. I can forgive them for that. How's that? <laughs> I can forgive something like changing a five and a six. Again, this movie was really good. I wish I knew the budget. It seemed very high budget. Well shot, well acted, attractively acted, which is always important to me. The fashion was very attractive and tasteful. I thought the writing was good. I'm not, again, I expect to have issues like this with... Pool Boy Nightmare? Um, no, I expect to have issues like this with any made-for-TV movie. My standards 
are the same regardless of where a movie is airing, but I expect those. But also, as we learned in our last episode, some of these issues are just mine. The reaction of other women to some of these things, I may be in the complete minority. Maybe most women who watched that movie were like, oh my God, he takes the daughter to nighttime bake sales and mother-daughter dances. (laughs) What a perfect husband. That was not my reaction, but I might just be having, here's a Lifetime movie for you, the wrong reaction. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm, I'm aware that some of these problems are just mine. What are you envious of? Uh, I'm not sure. Anyone who is eating a slice of pizza right now. Same, exactly. My envies are typically food-based, and I try to keep them in check by being like, that's not the last slice of pizza in the world, even if it's the last slice of pizza at this party. (laughs) (laughs) You can get that thing. They did not stop producing pizza. That cheese board someone else is having. (laughs) There are other cheese boards to be had. And that's how I, like, snuff out my envy. Mm-hmm. I don't experience that a ton, though, I will say, because I, yeah, I usually, usually when I see people eating something that I would like to be eating, it's kind of like a vicarious thrill, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, it's not like we've been in a restaurant in a long time <laughs> to see what somebody's eating at another no. table. But back when we did do such things, I do remember it being always interesting to see what somebody else at yes. another table is eating and think like, oh, I want that. Or Yes, or or what an interesting combination of things they ordered. I wouldn't have thought to order X entree with Y appetizer or whatever. So which of the deadly sins is your go-to? You mean go-to in terms of... The one you experience the most. I don't see you as a terribly envious person. You're usually very excited for people's successes and, you know good fortune, which I think we both have in common. I don't think when you see someone in like a nicer car than you have, or like if someone took you on a shopping spree, for example, and they bought Dior and you got Old Navy, I don't think you would be mad. I think you'd be like, I just got free clothes. Sure. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I just uh, introduced food into a movie that had nothing to do with food at all. So I'll say gluttony. Okay. (laughs) Gluttony is the one that I'm most interested to see how this author handles because, as I told you, gluttony, typically now we talk about it in terms of just food excess, but I took a class on the seven deadly sins long ago literature, and gula, the gluttony sin actually refers to excess in anything. Sure, yeah. So it could be, I said, I wonder if she's going to do something like alcoholism Mm -hmm. because you could do like excess in any form of thing. In case you were wondering, mine is wrath. (laughs) Everyone listening was like, duh, (laughs) you don't say. She named her high horse. Wrath might be on the list. I don't know. I think I have a little rage monster and it like it's in my brain. I think wrath is probably like 
a comfortable emotion for me. If we're talking about wrath as anger, mm-hmm. I think I'm quick to anger, quick to get over it. I think I also, this is probably not to my benefit, but or yours, but I feel like wrath, at least for me, burns itself out. And in the burning of itself out, there is catharsis. Like in mm-hmm. the venting of anger, for me, is the release of it. Okay. I don't know. The times I've experienced, let's say like envy, I can't say that the venting of envy is the solution for it. For me personally. Okay. Although, as we've discussed, I basically feel envious of food. (laughs) Right. So gluttony is probably my backup. All right. Do you want to tell me some trivia? Sure. So, um, start with Soraya, since Mm -hmm. she is the star of this film. Did you know that this is her first starring lead role ever? No. We could see her in more things. Yeah. Here's what I'd be curious to see. So she's in this movie. She's supposed to be sinful. I would be curious to see if she is versatile enough to do a Christmas movie. She is so pretty that I want to see her in like a cable knit sweater in front of a fire Uh (laughs) falling in love with like her high school chem partner. You know, I like, I want to see, can she, can, is she, does she have the warmth to bring to that? Okay. Because like, I want her in more things because she's very pleasant to look at. Yes. So, you know, <laughs> bravo, brava to her on her first lead role. Yes. Did you know, obviously we've had a lot of music video actors oh, yes. in this series. Yes. Um, she is in a Taylor Swift music video. What? Okay, which one? And a pretty well-known song. I'm wondering if you... uh, And actually, it kind of is a funny link to this movie. No way. Not if it's the one I'm... I'm shocked. Bad Blood? Yes, she is in Bad Blood. Really? Okay. I mean, I guess it's not surprising because she is famous. And if I remember correctly, that entire music video is like supermodels and Lena Dunham oh, and like it? it's yeah it's a ton of famous okay. people I've never seen it that. was back at the peak of people talking about Taylor Swift's squad mm-hmm. and I, if I remember correctly that was the video where it was basically just working through her squad like everyone was in it uh-huh. so good for her I mean I can tell you from Empire watching her dance in like a skimpy stage costume, again, is appealing. Like, it's fun yeah. to watch her. She's good looking. I remember her being a good enough dancer. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I, she's great for a music video in my mind. Yeah. Obviously, we don't need to get into Candy Burris's Real Housewives career at sure. length. <laughs> uh, and I don't need to go off on a tangent about her time in Escape. You do not. Uh, but. I will say that I found that Candy Burris was the uh, first African-American woman to win the ASCAP Songwriter of the Year Award. 
Oh, uh, okay. Which she did in 2000 in recognition of the fact that she had written No Scrubs and also Bills, Bills, Bills for Destiny's okay. Child. And yeah. uh, interestingly enough, I also found that because of the musical similarity, or maybe it was a lyrical similarity, uh, between No Scrubs and Ed Sheeran's Shape of You, she actually has a uh, writer credit on Shape of You. So... She should be in charge of PR, frankly. <laughs> yeah. So good, good to see her in this film. Um, and uh, uh, a bit about Rose Rollins, who played Gabrielle. Um, she was also so pretty, by the way. So pretty. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, actually, I was looking at her uh, Wikipedia stats. She just turned 40. Um do you know how many people I would kill to look like that at 40? <laughs> so many. She, I cannot tell you, just look at a picture of her people because she is someone who you want to see in an ad for face wash. It like, I don't think she was wearing a ton of makeup. She is incredibly attractive. Yeah. Whoa. And her acting debut, it turns out, was on the West Wing. Oh, okay. Um, where she played, and I didn't see the West Wing, but she played CJ's assistant for two episodes. CJ okay. was Allison Janney, right? I believe. It's been a really long okay. time since I saw the West Wing. So uh, that's Rose Rollins. Um, and uh, yeah, and oh, the author behind uh, the Seven Deadly Sins books, uh, her name is Victoria Christopher Murray. Okay. Uh, she has written four of the seven books. Uh, that I guess will be forthcoming in this series so far. Um, not sure if any others will be made into films, but she's a highly success- successful author. She started out in corporate America for quite a few years and then sure. transformed into a uh, Christian fiction writer. Okay. Um, so, you know, good for her good bringing for this her. to the screen. I don't necessarily see sloth or gluttony as natural lifetime fits Mm -hmm. although that has to be determined i would think by how she handles each of the sins so like if sloth is something like kind of a deadbeat husband who's not who's not making life moves etc i could maybe see it gluttony yeah. again it feels like a stretch but maybe they would maybe she would do alcoholism mm-hmm. and we do sometimes see like an alcoholic parent on lifetime some sort of addiction sure oh yeah addiction could oh you know what that would be really interesting if the author used it to kind of like tackle opioids or some mm-hmm. one of the drugs that is more Crippling for our society currently. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. You said you had no trivia. You had <laughs> trivia. All right. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at husbandandwifetime at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at husbandwifetime or on Instagram at husbandandwifetime. If you like this episode, please rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks. Bye. Bye.